Well, it is good to be with you tonight, and we're thankful for the opportunity to share what the Lord's been doing in our lives over the last several years. It's been 10 years, I believe, since we've been here. Uh, We were back on a furlough from Norway in 2013, and our youngest, Marcus, and um, my my two older boys are out there setting our display up. My wife needed to go shopping, and she got caught in traffic, so she just now got back, but... um, uh, my two younger ones uh, are both are not feeling well, so we've got something that's kind of been circling around through the family for the, for about a month now. So uh, we're all cooped up in that motorhome out there and keep sharing it back and forth. But um, my youngest son is feeling fairly well, but he's coughing terribly, and we're trying to get him over that. And my daughter last night started feeling feeling bad, so apologize for Anna and Marcus not being in here, but. Uh, in 2013, Marcus was just a baby. He was born in March of 2013, and we came back for furlough in July. And I don't know just when we were here during that year, but um, I remember that we were. So uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to be back with you tonight and appreciate the church and your support for us and prayers for us over many years. I think uh, you probably took us on sometime around 2006 or uh, maybe 2007 in that area. We went to Norway in 2008 and um, were there for eight years and then had to leave Norway suddenly. We worked in two church plants, uh, one in uh, Stavanger, Norway, on the southwest coast, uh, working with Brother James Turpin there as he had moved to the city about six months before we arrived and worked to plant a faith Baptist church there in, in Stavanger. And that church is still going on. Brother Turpin has retired uh, for health reasons, is back in Canada, but his son, uh, Seth Turpin, and his wife are there still and continuing the work, and uh, Seth is pastor in the church, and they've just been joined about a year ago by another missionary couple, uh, the Hollands. So uh, we appreciate your praying for Norway and the needs that are there. Um, we had to leave Norway to protect our children in uh, 2000, uh, right at the very end of 2015, and by the end of, uh, by October 2016, the Lord had led us to Cranbrook, British Columbia, Canada. And so we moved up there in October of uh, 2016, and the Lord is blessed in helping us plant a, a church, Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, appropriate name for, <laughs> for the church in its location. And uh, the Lord has, has been blessing the church. We've got a stable group of people, uh, not real big yet. We've had kind of a... a Good, had a good increase, and then we lost some families to moves, and and um, right now we're we're uh, right right around 15, 15 people in attendance on the average. We're having some visitors and so forth. We're thankful for two missionary couples that are two semi-retired missionary couples that are filling in for us for the six months that we'll be away. And uh, brother brother Don Drake and his wife are there right now, and they'll be there through the end of July. And then uh, Brother LeBron Williams and his wife will be coming out at the end of July and be there till we return in at the end, near the end of October. So we're thankful for the Lord providing for that that aspect of keeping the church uh, supplied uh, in the pulpit and and all of that. So we appreciate your praying for those two folk, those two families, as they minister in in our church there in British Columbia. Um, I think we'll go ahead and show that uh, that little video right now that will give you an overview of the ministry there. Hello, we are the Talbot family. Dwight, Ruth, 
Eric, 17, Jonathan, 15, Anna, 13, and Marcus, 10. And our dog, Colby, and our cat, Leah, as well. We joined Baptist International Missions as missionaries nearly 21 years ago. From 2008 to 2015, we served in the country of Norway. The Lord then directed us to Cranbrook in the province of British Columbia, Western Canada. Cranbrook's population is around 25,000 people, and it is about an hour north of the Idaho border. Cranbrook has about six months of cold and snow. We get plenty of exercise in the winter, keeping the driveway cleared of snow. The summers, however, are hot and dry, and forest fires are a constant threat. Despite it being a rather harsh climate, our whole family enjoys living in the beautiful Canadian Rocky Mountain region. We love to get out hiking and skiing when we have the chance. We enjoy seeing the spectacular beauty of our Lord's creation year-round. We moved to Canada in October 2016 under the sponsorship of Pastor Jeff Friesen and Valley View Baptist Church in Creston, British Columbia, about an hour west of Cranbrook. We were granted a three-year temporary religious workers permit when we moved into Canada, which has been renewed twice. We have applied twice for a permanent residency permit, but have not yet been granted one. We began meeting in our home in November 2016, along with Barb and Cliff Blakey and their daughter Kim. The Blakeys had attended the previous Independent Baptist Church in Cranbrook, but had been without a church since it had closed about 10 years previous to our coming. They were excited to finally have a good church to attend in their town once again. The Blakeys cautioned us that Cranbrook was a difficult area to try to start a church in, and we needed to be committed for the long haul. We have found their admonition to be true, but by God's grace, we are committed to staying in Cranbrook as long as the Lord wants us here. In the spring of 2017, we began renting a building to meet in. With the help of Baptist Church Planting Ministry and Valley View Baptist Church, we planned opening meetings in April. Several churches helped us to prepare for those meetings, including assembling John and Romans printed with invitations to our church's opening meetings, which were mailed to each residence in the Cranbrook area, putting up door hangers on the 10,000 doors in Cranbrook, and attending various nights of the opening meetings and helping out. We had several visitors from the community, a few of which continued to attend services afterward. We are very grateful for the hard work and sacrifices of the many churches that helped Rocky Mountain Baptist Church of Cranbrook get established. We enjoy fellowshipping with these churches each summer at family camp under the direction of Pastor Tom Stassel. Although Cranbrook has proved to be a difficult area to minister in, we are excited to see what the Lord has done in the last few years. We have had several visitors comment that they have attended many of the other churches in our town, but no church preaches just the Bible like our church. It has been a delight to see our members growing in the Lord and being a witness to their families and community. In 2019, evangelist Barry Webb had held revival services at our church. Susan was saved during those meetings, and Ruth was able to disciple her, along with other ladies at various times. We held our first baptismal service in the fall of 2019. After several years of seeing Susan's testimony at home, Susan's husband was finally ready to accept the Lord this past fall. I have been discipling him along with Susan and have been blessed to see them both growing in the Lord. As with everyone, COVID hit us pretty hard. Just when the church seemed to be growing, churches in Canada were shut down for over a year. COVID restrictions were very strict and most people were afraid to even visit others in their homes. Pastors and churches across Canada were fined for holding services 
Several pastors in Alberta were arrested and jailed, as well as their churches chained shut or even fenced off. We continued to hold services at Children's Church regularly in our home, which we live streamed on Facebook and on Skype. Most of our church members also joined the services through a Skype call. One benefit of the live stream is that we have been able to reach many more people than we ever could have just in our local community. We have also had friends, family, and community members join us regularly in the church Skype call from as far away as Norway. Since we could not do door-to-door evangelism for almost two years, we printed and distributed door hangers with a clear gospel message of peace and hope. We found people to be more receptive than ever after going through the difficult times of the last couple of years. Our first in-person meeting of 2021 took place on Easter Sunday in our driveway. Although the day started out with sunshine, during the sermon the temperature dropped and it even started snowing. We met for several months outdoors until we were finally allowed back into the building which our church rents. Even though the government tried to mandate strict COVID restrictions, we were not hindered from allowing all who wanted to to attend the services. There are several folk who have not yet come back to church, but the faithful few remain. We all came to appreciate the value of the support and encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even if only virtual for a time. For over two years, our family could not enter restaurants or other public functions, but thanks to a group of brave truckers and others who stood up for the rights of Canadians, almost all COVID restrictions were lifted in the spring of 2022. We have been able to continue all of our church programs and outreaches and look forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do in the coming years. Last summer, after two years of lockdowns, the Lord blessed our vacation Bible school with over 20 attending each day. The whole church pitched in to help with snacks, registration, and helping wherever else they were needed. We had a teen class, as well as a children's class, and both classes were well attended. We also held a five-day Bible club during spring break this April, with good attendance of about 16 each day. Many of the children who attended the VBS and Bible Club were homeschool friends who attended other churches in town, but we shared a clear gospel message with the children each day. Although no one openly made a decision to get saved, we have been able to follow up each family and pray that we see fruit someday. Another children's outreach that has been very popular is the Canada Day Children's Helium Balloon and Tract Outreach. With the help of our church people, we attach children's tracts to helium balloons and pass them out during Canada's Independence Day activities. Track distribution at the local parades and community days is also well received. We have made many connections through the homeschool groups in the community and through other activities that our children are involved in. Eric and Jonathan are in the Air Cadet program, which is a bit like ROTC for high schoolers. Although they are not permitted to speak of their faith openly, they've had many opportunities in private conversation and during the speech program to share some of their testimony and faith in Christ. Our kids have also had many opportunities to be involved in the church and community through their music. Our church was blessed to receive a full set of handbells a couple years ago from missionary Marguerite Pauley. Ruth organized a handbell choir for homeschool families. Everyone enjoyed learning handbells, and we have put on two concerts so far. It's been a blessing to have several missionaries come our way to present their work. The Lord has enabled us as a church to take on four missionary families for a small amount of support, and we pray regularly for several other missionary families as well. We would like to thank each of you for your faithful prayers and support, as well as those who have sent cards of birthdays, Christmas, and other times during the year. 
We enjoy displaying the many Christmas cards we get from supporting churches and friends. Pray for our family, for our faithfulness, our health, our immigration status. Pray for Rocky Mountain Baptist Church to grow and reach souls for Christ. Pray for the Lord to send laborers into the needy field of Canada. The number of churches in Canada has decreased by nearly 20% in the last three years. Many Canadian pastors are forced to resign due to health or mental difficulties, discouragement, or even government persecution. Although the laborers have dwindled, the need is greater than ever before. Suicide and depression are at an all-time high. Canadians are looking in many places to find help, but few realize that their only hope is in Jesus Christ. Please pray for the Lord to send forth laborers into this needy land and consider what the Lord might have you do for the gospel in Canada. Perhaps the Lord would call you to go reach our neighbors to the north. Okay, so you kind of see where we live and the place we're working in. Uh, does anybody have a question about the ministry or about us or about the family? Glad to answer any questions you might have. Yes. Um, Norway, has, they have a law against biblical discipline, and we continued to practice that, but they, we were... It was discovered, and they were planning, working toward taking our children. So we, we were advised to leave and, and did so. Yes, sir. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Well, you're welcome. Yes, sir. What's the biggest obstacle you have? Uh, to the gospel, just apathy. You know, people really don't care about their spiritual condition. And so many, they're not, we don't face a lot of belligerent opposition in our town. Um, and people are quite polite, but they'll just say, you know, we'll knock on their door or we'll try to give a track to them, and they'll say, no, thank you, I'm not interested. And that's it. <laughs> um, and, you know, we continue to go back. Uh, we were putting those door hangers out over during COVID, and, Interesting event happened. I got a got a text from someone, and they said, um, why, "Why were you on our property putting a door hanger on our door?" And I said, "No, there was no. We don't put it on doors where it says no soliciting or anything like that." And I said, we "We're just trying to share the good news of the gospel." And they said, well, "We don't want you to ever come back to our door with any literature or ever knock on our door." And I said, "Well, I've got a list of people like that." that have requested that, just give me your address, and I'll, I'll be glad to put you on that list. And they said, we don't have to give you our address. <laughs> so I, I wrote back and I said, well, if you can't give me your address, I can't guarantee we won't come back to your door. But, but uh, that's, that's, not, that's not the norm. You, you know, usually people are friendly, and, and uh, you know, our, people will take tracks. I mean, we, we have a Christmas parade, and we have a parade before... Um, an event called the Sam Steele Days in the summertime or in the spring. And so we'll go out a half hour before the parade starts and just walk the parade route on the street as people are lining up and pass out tracks. And, and um, the um, helium balloon thing for kids is that where we give them the children's tract is very popular. We'll have a line of people in the park 
waiting, waiting to get a balloon and, and a tract. And, and many people have been very appreciative of the, of the witness, you know, of the tract being given. So, um, but, you know, so many, so many people just really don't care. And even though they may take a tract, they, we don't see much response to that. But people do get saved, and, you know, we just continue sharing the gospel. You know, our, the response isn't up to us. Our responsibility is to share the gospel and to get, uh, get the, the word of God out there. And we continue to try to do that. Any others? No questions, a bad question. Yes, sir. Yes. On every area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy, it's easy to see year over year. But um, how would you speak to that? Well, for a number of years now, there has been a law, a hate speech law, that would really prohibit pastors from speaking about certain, you know, certain issues such as homosexuality and whatnot from the pulpit if it's enforced. Um, that and it has been uh, sometimes not across the board everywhere, but uh, so that that's been in place for several years. During COVID, uh, when the government mandated churches to be shut down for long periods of time, um, not many churches just continued to meet. They said, "We're not, you know, the Lord's the Lord's told us we we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together." We need to worship. We need we you know, and over live stream isn't really a gathering in in that sense. And um, so they, and we and we continue to meet as well. Now we couldn't rent the facility that we normally rent because they shut down all rentals. But we met in our home, invited any of our church folk to come, and some did, and some joined us on a live stream. We started doing a live stream, and also a, you know the um, Skype thing as well, so that. Some people wanted to have interaction, so and that, and we've had a fellow from Norway that was in the church in Norway started joining us, and my aunt and my sister have both continued to join us ever since then on Skype. Uh, so that's been a blessing when they were when they weren't in in church themselves, because uh, of course we're <laughs> two hours different from from them and eight hours different from the fellow in Norway. But um, during COVID, there was a lot of persecution, we could say, direct persecution, especially in Alberta. Um, a number of pastors arrested, and you may have seen some of that on the news. The one church up in Edmonton that you saw the policeman standing there with his vest, they, they double-fenced that church, put two fences around it, put 24-hour guards there, um, and that church continued to meet every service at a different location out in the bush, you know, in, in the, you know in, out in the country. They would just text everybody, we're going to meet here, and they would, they would meet. Um, Pastor Tim Stevens, um, I know his brother-in-law, was arrested three times. You saw his church there, Fairview Baptist Church. Uh, they chained that church shut. Um, they continued to meet outside. And um, there were other, other some churches in Alberta. One, one pastor arrested in Alberta. Um, I'm in Alberta, but in Ontario, and another that many that were fined. There were churches in our our province. No one was arrested in our province in British Columbia, but uh, some churches received as much as 1.5 million dollars in fines. 
Um, thankfully, since the restrictions were lifted, almost all of those fines have been um, thrown out by the courts because of the efforts of some, some uh, Christian law type, of, you know, like the Christian Law Association here, but like that in Canada, that are defending those pastors. Um, so it's there, and, and I mean, they're just they're still in, in Calgary, Alberta, they're still arresting pastors for street preaching during these um, um, drag queen events. And a, a high school student that protested in Calgary, he was passing out Bibles in Calgary two weeks ago, was arrested by the police during a drag queen event. So it's, it's really beginning to, to be very direct. And the Canadian Parliament just passed uh, Bill C-19, which is a, um, it's, it's a censorship bill, inter- internet censorship bill, in which they are really going to crack down on internet content, and you'll only be able to see what the government wants you to see. So do pray for candidates. You know, things are looking more and more um, bleak as far as our ability to be freely preaching the gospel and, and ministering. Yes, sir. <clears throat> well, we've been praying for a young family <laughs> that is already grounded in the faith, and, and that would, you know, that the Lord would send send the, send someone like that along that uh, could just come alongside and really work with us. We've got uh, we've got some faithful folks that do do work, and they do they're faithful and being witnesses as well, but uh, that's one thing we've been praying for. The Lord hasn't seen fit to send yet. Also, you could pray for our, um, for our um, immigration situation. We're still, we're on our third temporary religious workers permit. Uh, we've applied twice. You can't apply directly for permanent residency. You have to apply to get in a pool uh, or on a list and then they pick from the list and invite you to then apply. We only stay on the list for a year, and it's quite costly to get on it. Um, we've done that twice, stayed on for a year both times, and have not had an invitation. So we're praying about whether to do it again or whether just to try to extend another temporary permit for another three years. So right now our permit goes through September of 2025. So do be praying for wisdom for us about that. I, I kind of suspect that it might be my age because I'm 62. If they give us permanent residency, then I become a retiree liability for the government. I don't know if that goes into it or not, but uh, do pray for wisdom for us, uh, just the Lord's leadership about how to, how to go about <laughs> the next step of immigration, whether we apply for the permanent pool again to get back on there and um, or just apply for another three-year permit. So the, the three-year permit kind of limits things in, in some ways because, um, for example, during, during COVID, the border was shut, shut down and we could get into the U.S., but we, weren't, we didn't think we could get back into Canada, so we just stayed in Canada for that whole time, even though we're an hour from the border. Um, and we normally would go down to Bonners Ferry, Idaho, and do some shopping or visit Bonners Ferry Baptist Church or some other churches down that way. So 
So um, that's been kind of a difficulty. But um, and our my family's not allowed to work. So like Eric's getting ready for college in another year. So he'd like to be able to get a job. So we're looking at possibility of him applying for a work permit specifically. But uh, we don't know if that is is a viable possibility or not. Anything else? Any other questions? No, we, we homeschool. That is legal. In fact, British Columbia is the most friendly province toward homeschooling. Um, and that could change, of course. But uh, at this point, it's, it's quite easy to homeschool. There are a lot of secular homeschoolers in our town as well. And we've gotten to know a lot of people, uh, like the, the homeschool bell choir that Ruth started. We've, had, we've, gotten, we've gotten to know a lot of homeschoolers in the area. Some are believers, some are not. There's kind of a group that's not, and there's a group that is. Uh, we've participated in both groups uh, in trying to, you know, to reach some of the folks that are not saved. And we've seen some of those people saved. Uh, there's one family that, that um, not as a direct result of our ministry, but we've had some influence there um, in one family that has gotten saved. And so we're really pleased about that. But uh, our... Both Eric and Jonathan are now registered with a U.S.-based um, umbrella school so that they will get a U.S. high school diploma uh, instead of going with the what they call the um, dogwood diploma in Canada and avoiding that, – that avoids some rather unpleasant things we don't want to have to teach them. <laughs> um, right. It's basically structured the same, yes, as far as you know, high, junior, junior high, middle school, high school, and elementary. Uh, well, yeah, if, if we went with the, the Canadian high school track, there would be a specific curriculum we would have to use, whereas doing it this way, uh, we don't have to follow that quite as stringently. We can use the curriculum we choose. And we're to, to homeschool there. You have to register. You have to register with a school. It can be either a public school or a private school. So we're registered with a Christian school in Kelowna, British Columbia, which is about eight hours west of us. But we can still register with them for homeschooling. Yes, uh, and that we have a local. There's enough students that are registered with that school in our local area that there's actually a. a um, a supervising teacher that lives in our area, so he comes um, twice a year for a conference, and we and we monthly we send him um, academic reports. Yes, but that's worked out real well. It's, it's a lot easier than homeschooling in Norway was. Any other questions? Okay, uh, I'm going to have my boys come up and play a piano. Four hands on one piano duet for you. I don't know if they've checked out that keyboard or not, but uh, if can they fit on that? Can you fit on the bench? Okay. Oh, I guess I'm supposed to turn pages for them for this.
I'm thankful for the talents the Lord's given our, our children, and all of them are involved in music in some way. All of them are playing piano at least a little bit. Uh, my daughter, Anna, plays clarinet, and um, Marcus is learning piano and enjoying that quite well. The Lord's blessed us with some good teachers there in, uh, in Cranbrook, and then uh, one, our, our, our uh, Woodwinds teacher, uh, during COVID, moved back to England. <laughs> But um, he's now teaching my, our daughter by over um, online, you know, through a video video connection, and she's doing re- real, real well with that. So we're thankful for that. Uh, if you would turn with me to Philippians chapter three for just a few minutes, and we'll think about uh, my involvement in missions. Now, what is missions? Well, all of us are commanded to give the gospel to people as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, missions is taking the gospel, you know, we could say home missions and local missions and all of that, but usually when we think of missions, we're thinking of someone that takes the gospel somewhere else um, in the world, uh, whether it's another state, another city, another country, or whatever it might be, as the Great Commission so, you know, start, started with Jerusalem and uh, Acts 1.8, uh, and you shall receive power after that, you receive, after that Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and unto Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the, the idea of missions is sending the gospel out around the world. Um, each of us individually cannot be involved in, in uh, we can't do that personally as far as going to every place in the world, to every person in the world. Um, but the Lord has designed the local church in such a way that we can support missionaries that are going to the different places of the world. And so, Philippians chapter 3, we can't be involved in missions until, uh, of course, until we're saved. Uh, I can't be a witness for Christ until I know Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, if you notice there, what it says, uh, Apostle Paul speaking, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Then he said in verse 10, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Uh, the Apostle Paul was, was so thankful to be, as he said in verse 9, to be found in him. Um, he, he had come to Christ. He had been saved there on the Damascus Road. And he no longer had his own righteousness, which he had tried to earn under the law as a Pharisee. Uh, now he had the righteousness of Christ. And that's the only righteousness that anyone can truly have uh, before God is the righteousness that is imputed to us by faith. And so Paul met Christ on the Damascus Road. We know that story in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Uh, Paul had been persecuting the church, and he had, uh, was arresting people, putting them into prison. And he had letters to go to, from the, the high priest to go to Damascus, to the synagogues, to find um, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and to arrest them. But you know, he, on, on the way to that uh, city of Damascus, the Lord Jesus appeared to him, and he trusted Christ as his Savior And in verse 4, it says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, 
Why persecutest thou me? And he realized it must be the Lord speaking to him because he asked the question. He said, Who art thou, Lord? Um, And I believe the answer shocked him (laughs) because the answer was this. The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. So so he, he met the Lord Jesus on that day and immediately surrendered himself to the Lord Jesus as a servant. Because the next thing out of Saul's mouth there was, Lord. So now he, he said he knew it was the Lord speaking to him. He found out that the Lord was Jesus. And then he addresses him and says, Lord, what would you have me to do? And, of course, the Lord told him to go into, into the city and it would be shown him what uh, he was to do. And the Lord called him to be a missionary, the first uh, missionary to the Gentiles that would go out with the gospel. Some try to work for salvation by doing works, including what they call, quote, mission work. But that is impossible. Uh, salvation comes only through Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, so it's, it's, it's the gift of God. It must be received. And working for the Lord Jesus Christ must be by faith in order to please him. Uh, we cannot please the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord effectively unless we're doing that by faith and through faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so um, we must, we're saved by faith and we serve by faith as well. And what a wonderful thing it is to live by faith. Uh, Secondly, in order to be involved in missions, I must submit to the will of God if I'm to be involved in this thing we call missions. In Acts 9-6, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Apostle Paul said to the the Lord Jesus there on the Damascus Road in verse 6, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And so he submitted himself to the direction of the Lord, and the Lord had a task for him. He had a call for the Apostle Paul, a calling. And that was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, that didn't happen immediately, but as uh, you know, he, he went through a training process with the Lord, and then he was sent out, of course, by the church at Antioch uh, to, for the purpose of taking the gospel as a missionary. But when I submit to the will of God, I am, I am empowered to carry out the things that the Lord wants me to do, to carry out the ministry that he's called me to. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, uh, the Apostle Paul gave testimony of that. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And whatever it is the Lord has asked you to do, or does it, will ask you to do, he will also supply what you need to do it. Uh, you can do all things through Christ. And when, uh, you know, sometimes we say, well, I could never do that. But see, that's, that's, that's my flesh talking. Um, I grew up as a very shy young person. And if you had told me then that I would be preaching and standing in front of a church, I would have said, no. <laughs> but you see, when the Lord's call comes upon a person's life, he enables that person to do what he wants them to do. He gives us the spiritual gifts that we need to fulfill the ministry that he has called us to. All saved folk are to be witnesses, as we read in as we quote in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're empowered to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and we need to be going and faithful in doing the will of God. Um, Philippians chapter 3, 
Back to that text, uh, verses 12 to 15, Paul said this, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So he said in verse 13, and this is after serving the Lord for a long time, he said in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so he kept his focus moving ahead, and he was submitted to the will of God. And he continued to be submitted to the will of God. Uh, he didn't give that up. And then how, how, also, how else can I be involved in missions? Well, I, submit, I have to be saved. I have to submit to the will of God. And then I should be, a part, as a part of my local church, I should be participating in going and giving uh, and praying in this area of missions. So I must participate, first of all, personally in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, um, Mark 16, 15. Uh, we're to be going to our Jerusalem. We're to be reaching our area and being a witness wherever the Lord takes us. Um, and there are opportunities every day that we have. Uh, we need to be soul conscious. Um, every person I meet, every person you meet, every day is in one of two conditions. They're either saved and on the way to heaven, or they're lost and on their way to hell. And we have a responsibility to share the gospel with those that we meet. We ought to carry tracts in our pocket and, and have have something we can share with them. We don't always have time to, to open a Bible and take 20 minutes or a half hour or two hours with someone. But uh, we do have time to, to hand them a tract, to encourage them in the Lord, to, to speak a word of witness, uh, even just a, a word of testimony. You know, when sometimes we, something happens and that uh, is good and we say, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, that, that lets people know that we are giving God credit and many times it will open up an opportunity to, uh, to give a word of witness. I remember years, many years ago, I, was, I like to whistle. And um, sometimes I do it unconsciously. And I was standing in line in a store, and I ended up in a, one of those slow-moving lines. You know how those are. And uh, the, the lady in front of me had given the, the cashier kind of a hard time. And I was just standing there kind of whistling, waiting, waiting in line, enjoying whistling a hymn. And I got up to the cashier, and she looked at me, and she said, what are you so happy about? <laughs> and I said, well, I know the Lord, and I'm just enjoying, enjoying fellowshipping him a little bit. And I was able to pull a tract out and give it to her. And her whole, her whole countenance changed. And she took the tract, and she said, thank you. And uh, she said, I'll read this. And I, you know, I didn't have time with people behind me. I didn't have time to go into the gospel any further with her other than just encouraging her to read that and to think about the Lord. But just our, our demeanor and our reaction to circumstances many times opens a door for us to be able to give a word of testimony to people or to give a witness to them. Um, at the gas station, now it's all, you know, it's used to you could give a, give a track to the, the guy that pumped your gas. But <laughs> I guess you still can do that in New Jersey. Is, is it New Jersey where they... Where it's against the law to pump your own gas, and one of the, one of those little states over there. Um, anyway, uh, but uh, I, I like to roll up a tract and stick it in the gas pump handle, and you know the next person along is either, you know they're going to say what's this and pull it out. There's an opportunity to share the gospel even if nobody's there when you're there. Um, but um, 
submitting to the will of God, being part of my local church, and the Philippian, the, Philipp, the church of Philippi helped that he's writing to in here in Philippians 3 and 4, they helped send support to Paul when he was at Thessalonica. And it says there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, notice what it says. Uh, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, uh, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Um, everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and hungry and to be hungry, to be abound and to suffer need. Then he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, um, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So evidently, when Paul went from Macedonia over to Thessalonica, um, the Philippian church was his only supporting church. <laughs> and they had, they, had, they had sent him support. Uh, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And now at this point, they have sent him an, another gift, evidently, when he writes the letter. Um, but I have, verse 18, But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so... Uh, there's a pro- then, then we come to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which if we, we just read the context, what's the context of this passage um, in Philippians chapter 4? Well, it was the Philippian church giving mission support to the Apostle Paul. And in that context, we get to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which says, um, but, my, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so sometimes, you know, we, we need to put things in context. Uh, the context of that, that promise is that these people were faithfully giving to missions and supporting missions. And uh, we see that in, in, in grace giving to missions, uh, faith promise missions, and, and uh, that when, when we are faithful and the Lord lays upon our heart to give and we give, the Lord supplies. And he will do that. Uh, testimony about that is as we... Uh, my wife and I, when the Lord called us to go to the mission field, we were both teaching in a Christian school, and uh, both of us giving, and well, after we were married, we were giving together toward, toward uh, the mission program of our church. Well, the end of the school year came, and we were going to start full-time deputation on the road. We didn't have very much support yet. And as we considered, when the when the the promise cards were handed out. We were praying, Lord, what would you have us give to missions this year? Uh, should we reduce what we're giving because we no longer have a salary? Uh, or what should we do? And the Lord laid on our hearts to increase what we were giving. And we didn't know where that w- was going to come from at all. And so we started giving faithfully in the first of the month. And, and uh, when, when we give our, our support for missions, we give it's right off the top. You know, a tithe comes off the top. Our support for missions comes off the top before we write any other check for a bill, and we just trust the Lord for the rest. Well, we started doing that, and we always got to the next church, had enough fuel to get to the next church. We uh, never, never lacked for paying a bill, and the Lord has continued to help us with that uh, through the years as, as the Lord has moved on our hearts to continue to increase our giving by faith, uh, because it's by faith. It's what the Lord can do through me, not what I can do. 
uh, Dr. Sisk, you mentioned Dr. Sisk, he, uh, I remember a message that he would preach, preaches quite often um, about uh, um, you know, the, the verse that says, not, uh, not grudgingly, nor necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, he, he said, you know, not, you know, the, uh, not grudgingly, there's the mad giver. <laughs> I'm giving, but I don't like it. <laughs> and then the, not, nor necessity, there's the sad giver. Oh, I guess I have to. It's necessary. But no, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves the giver who the Lord speaks to the heart about something and giving, and they just give it out of a joyful heart and trust the Lord. And that, uh, that is so wonderful that the people of here, in, as, as Paul talk, talked about, he's talking to the Philippians right now, but it, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, um, the Philippian church was one of the churches of Macedonia. And they gave out of their great poverty, really, is what Paul said in, to the Corinthians in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. But this I say then, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Um, every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly nor necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, now listen to this verse, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency, in all things may abound to every good work. Uh, what does God promise there as we're faithful in, in giving that he is going to supply our needs to have all sufficiency in all things uh, and we can abound to every good work. But the, church, the churches of Macedonia in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 to 5, I'm not going to turn there, but uh, Paul, Paul told, told the, the Corinthian church that the churches of Macedonia had given out of their great poverty, under a great trial of affliction, and out of their deep poverty, uh, then it says that, that, uh, that abounded to the riches of their liberality. Now, deep poverty and riches of their liberality don't, don't seem to go together, do they? <laughs> um, but they do, because it wasn't uh, out of, you know, see, see of, of necessity, you know, what, what can I give? Well, I, I pull out my wallet and I look, if I'm in a church service, what can I give tonight? Or I look at my budget and I say, what can I give? Well, I can give this much. Um, but that's, that's just from my human perspective. But as I, as I trust the Lord, He's able to supply. Um, and I've seen that happen again and again and again in my own life. Um, back when I was teaching in the Christian school, a little girl came to... Came to uh, my class one day, fifth grade, fifth grade girl, and she, um, I heard her talking to one of the other little girls over at the coat rack, and she wasn't broadcasting this to the class. She was just talking to her friend, and uh, she whispered, kind of, was kind of whispering to her, but I was right, my desk was right there, and I, was, I heard, overheard the conversation. She said, could I have some of your lunch today because we didn't have enough money to buy food for breakfast? And... Uh, the Lord just put on my heart. I knew her dad had lost his job uh, not too long before. And the Lord just put on my heart, give, give some money to that family. And so I looked to see what I had. And uh, 
I only had $20 in my wallet, and that was it for the month. <laughs> and, and I went over to the school secretary, and I gave it, gave it to her, and I said, make sure this family gets this when they come, they come to pick up their child, but don't tell them that I gave it to them. And so I gave that, and, and we went through the day and, and, and had an encouragement there. And then that was a, that was a Wednesday. Well, Wednesday night, I got to church early, and there's this shelf out in the vestibule of our home church there where people leave notes for each other and so forth. And uh, there was a note, there was an envelope there that said, Brother Talbot. So I picked it up, and obviously it had been there. I was there way before anybody else was. So obviously it had been left there on Sunday. Um, and so I picked it up and opened it up, and inside the envelope it just said, we, we appreciate what you do and we're praying for you, and there was $40 in there. And so the Lord had put the $40 in the envelope before he told me to give the $20, but I didn't know that. I gave by faith, and the Lord blessed abundantly, met my need, and met their need um, as we walked by faith. Uh, are you involved in missions? I hope you are. Uh, are you a witness for Christ? Uh, each of us that are saved need to be, and uh, we need to be involved in that uh, you know, personally on a daily basis, and uh, through your church, uh, through the programs that you have here. Also, are you involved in getting the gospel to the world? Are you praying for missionaries? Are you uh, giving through the mission program or to the mission program so that missionaries can be supported? We certainly appreciate your financial support that you send, but also we, we greatly need your prayer support because it's the prayers of God's people that move God's arm, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, as you pray, God works. And as you pray for us, God is going to work through us and use us to reach people in British Columbia. And we're so thankful for you folks that, that do pray for us that, and for this church that has supported us for, financially for over many years. But thank you so much for your part. But I just encourage you to be involved in missions. If you're not, uh, get involved uh, and, uh, see, and do that by faith. It's so exciting to live by faith. And if you're struggling, the Lord doesn't, you know, the Lord doesn't promise everything's a, you know, I'm not, we're not preaching a, a, you know, a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, okay? But um, the Lord has promised, as we're faithful to Him and serve Him, He will meet our needs. Uh, and, you know, He promises to, to meet our needs abundantly. And so, are, you, are your needs met? If they're not, are you involved? Are you doing what the will of God is? Have you submitted yourself to the will of God? And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. You can't be involved in missions until you know the Lord truly. You know, the Apostle Paul, as Saul, thought he was serving God uh, as a Pharisee and thought he was serving God and persecuting the, the church. Yet he wasn't. He didn't know the truth. Uh, but the truth is he needed to know Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he was a, a teacher of the Jews. He was a a Pharisee. Yet Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you need to get born again. It's not enough just to be religious. It's not enough just to be part of the temple worship or whatever. You need to be born again. You need to know the Lord. And uh, if you've not been born again, I encourage you to, to have come to someone and let them take a Bible and show you how you can trust Christ. But if you are born again, are you submitted to the will of God? Are you involved in reaching the gospel reaching with the gospel to your neighbors and to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to meet together tonight. 
Thank you for the encouragement that it is to us to have this church uh, faithful uh, in supporting us for so many years. And, and uh, Pastor Johnson, thank you for him. I pray that you continue to bless and meet the needs here. Lord, I pray that um, you would work in hearts all around this area. And I pray that you continue to bless as we labor in, in British Columbia. And Lord, give us grace to do your will there, to see people come to Christ. And I pray that we would see you bringing about a harvest as we have sown much seed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor.